0: Please be seated. we will ask you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, that is on page 909 in the Pew Bibles. And if you're not aware, we are in a series called We Believe in the Holy Spirit. We're looking closely at the work, the person and work of the Holy Spirit God, and tonight we're in Acts chapter 2. If I were preaching through Acts, and I were preaching expositorily through Acts, I would preach a little different, but our focus is on the work of the Holy Spirit. Children, here are your questions for this evening. Who did the Holy Spirit come to on the day of Pentecost? Two, what does verse 5 say about where the crowds were from three what happened when they started speaking that is the disciples started speaking for what do you think was the most important thing that happened on that day acts chapter two beginning in verse one we'll read the entire chapter this is the word of god And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native tongue? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene." and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the path of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. We'll just end reading there for tonight. There ends the reading of God's word. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And the fact that when we come to your word and your spirit as at work, that you, Holy Spirit, help us to see in ways that we would not see left to ourselves. And the preacher would not preach in an effective way if left to himself. And so now we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us. Bless the preaching of your word. Bless the hearing of your word. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would move in our midst. And we ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ amen. Last time when we looked at John chapters 14 to 16, we read that Jesus promised that when he went away that he would send a gift from the Father. He would send the Holy Spirit, and he gave them simple instructions, go to Jerusalem and wait. And so the disciples did two basic things. One is they obeyed. They went to Jerusalem and and waited, and two, if you look back at chapter 1, verse 14, they were praying. All of these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. They were waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit and they were praying, and when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes in a very unexpected way, a very surprising, extraordinary way. But before we get to the actual event, it's important to understand the setting, to realize the setting and the timing. As one person put it, it's God's divine strategy. It's a strategy for the sudden spread, rapid spread of the gospel, spread of the gospel. Saying that, I should also mention that what happens at Pentecost is one unrepeatable final act in the history of salvation the history of redemption and while it would be good to spend time unpacking it i won't spend time tonight talking about the difference between the work the nuances of difference between the work of the holy spirit in the old testament even through the gospels now to this point except to say now in this event the church will have the permanent presence of christ with his people as every believer is filled with the Holy Spirit in a permanent way once Pentecost happens. Tonight, I do want to focus on one aspect that's often missed. The setting takes place on the day of first fruits. Day of first fruits. If we miss the background of what's going on, if we simply see Pentecost as a Christian holiday in a liturgical calendar, we miss an awful lot. The theme really is the theme of harvest it takes place as i said on the day of first fruits it's it's the great work of redemption here in the harvest this day for the jews would have been called shavut you can pronounce it shavut or shavus it's the feast of weeks it simply means seven seven weeks of feasting it was ordained by god as we read back in deuteronomy it's found in other places in the old testament as well it's a feast of harvest it's called the day of first fruits 50 days after Passover. So that puts us in a unique place here in Jerusalem. Very intentionally. It's to commemorate the completion of the harvest. And it's to be a great celebration. Again, this great work of redemption. Sacrifices were prescribed. Everyone was to bring a tribute of a free will offering. It was one of the three holidays that every Jew was supposed to come to Jerusalem for so it was a big holiday we call it Pentecost that's the Greek Greek term simply means 50 because it's 50 days after Passover it's a very popular feast it was a feast of joy it was a feast of the harvest and it was a great celebration and so it meant that Jerusalem was filled with people just as with the Passover during the time of Christ's passion Jerusalem was filled with people, so now it's filled with people from all over. God is setting up a plentiful harvest. It's helpful to go back and reflect on some things that Jesus had said. Back in Matthew, he said in reference to seeing crowds and having compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, he says to his disciples, "...the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few." Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Another place, and connected to this, he sends out 72 disciples, two by two, to go to every town that he himself is about to go to, and he says that to them. Again, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then one more place, I'd like you to jump back and look at this one in John chapter 4. Jesus is interacting with the woman of Samaria, which is extraordinary in itself, as uh, Jewish men in particular did not speak to women in general, especially Samaritan women, in the way that Jesus was speaking to her, bringing her to know him as Savior, this Samaritan, which is amazing in itself. The disciples are gone, but they start to come back. Jesus is going to spend time with the Samaritans, teaching them about himself. This is John chapter 4. We'll pick up in verse 34. Jesus said to them, they come back because they think he's hungry, and Jesus uh, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are four months, then comes the harvest? Others have labor, labored and you have entered into their labor. But Jesus is saying, look at these Samaritans now coming to follow him. Look at that. That's the harvest. It may be surprising to you. He, he wants them to physically look at them. It's an eye-popping experience to see these Samaritans who are now followers of Jesus Christ. And so you have this idea of the harvest. Well, now at this point, Jesus' redeeming work is done on earth. He's ascended into heaven, and now this one final last work of redemption, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, has to take place. Well, it just so happens that people from many nations happen to be in town. Did you notice the names of the places back in Acts chapter 2? Some of them are probably familiar to you, some of them unfamiliar. The familiar ones are striking in and of themselves. Look back at verses 9 to 11. Think of some of these places that are historically significant in the history of Israel itself. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia... Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. It's amazing, this in gathering of people, and in common they had this. They were either Jews by birth and in the nation of Israel, or they were proselytes into the Jewish community, and they're all gathering together, so they have that in common. They have been scattered due to invasions in In Jerusalem, they went out into the lands, they didn't come back, but they're devout Jews in Israel and from the diaspora who are dispersed people, descendants of people who believed the prophets. And so they had common ground, all gathered here in Jerusalem, but they also had this in common. While they believed in an Old Testament way, they needed to hear about Jesus. They needed to hear about Jesus. They're people of many different tongues They don't all speak one common language as a result of Babel a long time ago. Uh, They're all people from every nation under heaven. It simply means a vast area, but I can't help but think that reminds us that the God in heaven is over all this, and the God in heaven is working here on earth. I love that term, under heaven. Well, there's only a handful of workers to reap this harvest, Some say it was only the 12, the new apostle added, where Judas had been replaced. But a handful of workers, it could have been just the 12, seems to me more likely that it was probably the 120 plus that were in the upper room. Well then this tremendous spectacle happens, and I believe we're to understand it this way, when, when the, the. The sound that seemed like rushing wind came and the tongues of fire came down on the disciples. It was in the upper room. And in between verses 3 and 4, there's movement and they move out into the street and they start speaking boldly out on the street for all these people gathered around outside of the temple area in Jerusalem. They start to speak boldly. Stop right there. How were they speaking boldly? They were emboldened. First of all, they were empowered with the presence of the Holy Spirit as Jesus said they would be, right? They would have the Holy Spirit. They would understand the truth of the gospel. They'd be able to articulate it. They were commissioned to take it from Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. But these men were bold? Who were they? Do you remember what they were like during the Passion? what they were like during most of Jesus' earthly ministry. Most of the time, they seemed to sort of get bits and pieces of it, but they were pretty confused at times about the person of Jesus and the kingdom itself. They were also very frightened at times. You remember when Jesus was arrested, even the boldest among them, Peter himself, they fled out of fear. And they were hiding when Jesus came to find them. Well, now, these men are emboldened. They're emboldened, they're standing out in the streets, speaking the wondrous works of God. What did Jesus tell them it would be like when they started to bring the gospel to the cities? The word persecution, bring up any memories, you will be persecuted, you'll be dragged, you'll be arrested, you'll be brought before courts, but you will testify to my name that had to be in their minds, but now they're emboldened and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Emboldened by the Holy Spirit. And they begin speaking in other tongues. There's no indication that while some of them might have been bilingual, They certainly didn't know all these different languages that would match up with all these different people. But in this extraordinary outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they're speaking in these people's languages. And the message is the mighty works of God. And I believe we're to deduce from that that they're taking the truths of the Old Testament and pointing to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. This is the gospel. And if you remember from a couple times ago, we talked about how the ministry of the Holy Spirit, one of the major ministries of the Holy Spirit is to point people to Jesus. And that's what's going on here now through these faithful men pointing people to Christ. And we have this seeming somewhat reversal of the scattering and the confusion of voices in Babel now to this this one message in all these different languages the gospel the gospel of jesus christ jesus is the christ the son of the living god jesus christ crucified dead buried risen from the dead believe in the lord jesus christ and you shall be saved the gospel is one message in no matter what language it's preached by the way if you want to share the gospel I suggest that you start with English, ask for boldness, the language that you speak. But if you want to share the gospel with someone who speaks a language that you don't speak, I encourage you to do what missionaries have to do and learn that language and learn to share the gospel in that language. And so here there's this plentiful harvest ready to be reaped. There's this handful of workers and the harvest takes place in this massive in Some are bewildered. Some don't know what to think. They start to doubt. They start to mock. They say they're drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. Since when do drunk people speak in other languages? They might slur their words, but there's a certain ridiculousness about the charge that they level against the disciples. And so you have to think that they couldn't see, they couldn't believe. But there are others who were were attuned to the Holy Spirit and could hear. And the exact thing that happens, that Jesus said would happen in John 16, that many would be convicted by the Holy Spirit. Don't want to turn back there tonight. But this work of the Holy Spirit is actually happening. And people are being touched in the depths of their souls through the preaching of the word and the ministry of the Spirit. And many are awed because they're seeing the mighty acts of God. Peter says, keep calm. If you can imagine, keep calm. And then he quotes Joel the prophet in, well, in a passage that hardly wants anybody to keep calm. If you read closely this great and awesome day of the Lord in these last days. But the idea is that this day, this day of Pentecost with the outpouring of the Spirit is a great and awesome day of the Lord. Well, with all this sensory overload, with all the visual aspects of it, and all the audio aspects of it, and all those things happening, perhaps the most dramatic thing that took place was in the hearts of many people. In the secret places of the souls who actually heard the gospel, were touched by the Holy Spirit, and believed and it's at this point the harvest of the nations begins in earnest one of the missionaries that we support is called Chaim, to life or life that mission that name stands for christians announcing israel's messiah they write this about shavuot or pass or i'm sorry pentecost shavuot is the passover redemption It is because of the Passover that the people of God could enjoy the harvest as free in the land. Fifty days after the death and resurrection of Christ, the harvest work of Christ begins in earnest. Jesus came to fulfill Passover through his death as the Lamb of God. So also the pouring out of the Holy Spirit was the expression of the completed redemption he provided. Jesus was raised from the dead as the first fruits of them that sleep. And it follows that all who believe are the first fruits of those who believe. As a result of this event and as a result of the preaching of the gospel, 3,000 plus were saved that day, came to faith, and were baptized. And it doesn't stop, it's exponential. What do you suppose when all these people from all these different nations went back to their hometowns? What do you think they did? We had a great time at Shavuot. We had a great time at Pentecost. We ate a lot of food. We spent seven weeks partying with our friends. I don't think so. We heard the mighty acts of God that have been fulfilled in Messiah Jesus Christ. Believe on him and you'll be saved. That has to be what they went back and did. And so the gospel spreads exponentially. And the work continues, and it continues through the ages. You see, this is just the beginning. It continues down to this day, Acts, and down through the ages to this very day. And guess what? We're a part of it. We're a part of it. We're believers. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We have life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. We're empowered to live for Christ. But we're also given insight into scripture so that we can understand what it really means. We've been given the spirit of illumination, and so as we process it, we too are equipped to share the gospel. It doesn't matter if you're a preacher or a teacher or an evangelist or a missionary. Every Christian has the ability to share the gospel. All these people who came in from out of these cities to Jerusalem and who were blessed and who undoubtedly went to report the good news, not all preachers, not all teachers, not all missionaries, not all evangelists proper, but people who knew the truth, had the spirit, had the word, could share the gospel. And again, if you're emboldened to share the gospel, don't expect some... Magnificent act to come from heaven to give you words that you can't speak normally. Speak in English the simple gospel Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Believe in him and you'll be saved. We have a lot more to learn about the work of the Holy Spirit, that's for sure, in this ongoing series. But to conclude our focus on this idea of the harvest, I want to read to you from the passage that shows us what it's looked like, what it looks like when heaven is opened. That's what we're told in Revelation. Heaven was opened. What does it look like when heaven is opened? This is Revelation seven, beginning in verse nine. John, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, being told by Jesus what to record and what to write. All these visions and apocalypse and all this stuff. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and honor and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? And I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to the springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we do thank you for your great mercy. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit and the power and precision of your holy word, very specifically the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anyone here tonight who truly believes in you knows that it is the Holy Spirit and the power of that gospel that at some point touched us in the very depths of our souls in the secret place and made us new in Christ Jesus, giving us life and light. We thank you so much for that. Lord, now we stand as witnesses of your great and mighty power. May we be bold witnesses as you grant us that great privilege and as you have given us your spirit and the word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.